Welcome to Much More Much Year with Pup Duffy and Kara Lane, an Aunt Imagination production. Guys, I am here with recording artist and actress Shani Rigsby. Your film Dark Asset is available to watch now on digital in demand. It had a theatrical run. Is it still going on? It is. It's, it's for a limited run. So they're focusing more on VOD and streaming. Well, you know, perfect. Yeah. It stars Shaney. It stars Robert Patrick and Byron Mann as the asset. The film is really intense. And it's it's not a horror film. It's an action film. But it, what's frightening is the concept of a chip in the brain that controls you. General, that's terrifying for a lot of people. It's terrifying. And it's timely. It's quite timely. As you get the script, are you like, this is a little too close to reality for me? Or are you like, oh, let's go. This is cool. So what you would probably appreciate is that the original sort of um, developing producer writer uh, was a female. And she was a friend of mine. And this was her concept about, and this goes back, I would say, close to six years um when she had read some articles about what was coming and it frightened her and so she approached me about this and i thought you know look where we are with ai right now look how big the discussions are about ai right um but it was it was something that was very clear this is going to happen it's a question of how much oversight and how much do we want it to be a part of our lives this is how our future is going to be. You know, we'll just be deciding these types of things, which is not an easy answer. But but yeah, I, I was fascinated in, in the discussion of it. So that's where it was born. You hit it right on the head because, no pun intended, but because <laughs> the possibilities are amazing. It like just, you have a chip that monitors your, everything that's going on in your body. It monitors for epileptics, it monitors, you know, um, misfire, heartbeat, your blood pressure, your whatever. Yes. I mean, the, the applications are just really far reaching. But like you said, the oversight has to be there. And who anywhere trusts someone or a group of someone's that much to put your life in their hands? Exactly. And, you know, this film explores just the, the testing process of what they do behind the scenes before something even would get rolled out to the public. And these are the types of things that, you know, people like you and I won't won't know. Um, and they want to keep it under wraps, at least in this fictitious world, right? So, you know, I mean, it's, it's like anything you touched on it. I mean, if you think about it though, you know, a pacemaker is, is, is an external, is an external device that helps people that have, you know, heart issues and thank God, because it gives people a second chance. So, you know, you have to embrace the good, but how you get there is really what we all need to be thinking about. How do we how do we get there? Right. And the concept of having some sort of, for lack of a better word, machinery inside of your body in general, like a pacemaker, someone from like, I don't know, the 20s or 30s would be like, what are you uh, talking about? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. The idea, sometimes I'm blown away, like personally that I'm old enough that, or I've lived long enough that discoveries, like certain discoveries have been made, like traveling to Mars, that, you know, the possibility. Because I grew up reading Bradbury, the Martian Chronicles and things, but there's like real world applications happening. And I'm like, God, I hope I live a lot, lot, lot longer to just 
what else could happen? I think our generation this time, we've, we've witnessed so many things from, you know, cell phone invention and internet and all of these things. And again, if you were telling people back in the 1920s, you'll be walking around with a device in your hand and you can communicate to people without speaking and they would just think you're insane, right? But but can you imagine our lives or look at what we're doing right now? I mean, this, we're looking at each other physically. So it's like, you know, it's just a, it's a very tricky thing. I do want to witness all of it because I think it's, it is life-changing in a good way. But again, we just really need to not, you know, check out and sort of let others handle it. I think it's, it's, there's, there's a dichotomy that always has to be really monitored. Right. There, there's a lot of checks that it needs to okay. go through before you can buy it at Walmart. You know, it's like, That's right. get that chip in your head for $9.99, you know? Cashier, <laughs> it's like, do you want to buy the protection plan? Right. <laughs> exactly. It's a crazy concept, but on the other hand, I mean, just simplifying it, I don't remember where it was, but somewhere in another country, I think like Australia or somewhere, uh, the, the lady had a chip in her hand. And it like unlocked or it unlocked, you know, her car door, you know, I don't know, turned off the alarm, but it was all a little chip in her hand. Oh, and she like paid at the grocery store with it and stuff. And I was like, that's the convenience of that. I'm down. Let's go. And then people are like, what if it controls what it controls my hand? And I'm like choking myself. Like, uh, what are the, the, the villain applications of a chip exactly. Well, you remember the old, uh, the feature that the film about, you know, sort of having the, the barcode here, right? And that we would just sort of, we would become that QR code, right? And our being, we don't have to carry anything anymore. And, and, and that freaks people out. But yet, but yet on a small scale, there's a convenience to that, right? I mean, I just had a credit card fraud situation the other day I'm like uh I have to get a new card and start over and do all that just so I can go and swipe right but in reality you know these things could be you know better handled but I'm just not sure like the idea of 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 once something is inside of you who you know it's just like with our computers and our phones they get updated without our even knowing right you wake up and there's something new going on on your phone and you didn't do that. It just happened overnight or your television updates itself and things like that. So imagine you had something in your body that was getting updated without your control or permission. Those are just sort of scary ideas, right? We're, we're already having debates about who has control over bodies. And so imagine technology, suddenly some guy in some place can go hit a button and you're upgraded, right? So I mean, even this concept of you have an app on your phone to control it but like you said the phone itself <laughs> yeah you're just carrying it it's not really under your control in a way so well, it's crazy you mentioned the barcode because i was raised uber religious like if you don't get raptured you're going to be left behind and they're going to put a code on your wrist or on your forehead or whatever yeah. and even as a kid the half of me that wasn't like terrified by the concept the other half was like the convenience that would be Kind of cool to see people just like putting their, their heads. <laughs> I know. But then you end up, you know, getting decapitated. So it wasn't. It would make it easier at the airport, though, you know, airport <laughs> security and all that. Uh, home security, like everybody get retina scans. 
with the retina thing, we are there. Like I have that, what is it called? Clear or whatever at the airport where you're supposed to stick your eye in and it recognizes you. Although the last time I was there, it didn't recognize me. I was like, well, what's the point? You know, I'm the only one with this eyeball and it doesn't recognize me, but you know, but we, we are there. Like you said, you're the lady that had the thing in the hand. I mean, it's just maybe not widespread and people are not quite ready to sign up, you know, for this. Like I waffle back and forth between wishing that I had a spouse that was a brilliant scientist or something. Cause yeah. sometimes, oh, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be clever or wouldn't it be helpful if blah, blah, blah. I'm just me. I can't like get a bunch of, I don't know, nanobots and <laughs> circuit boards, or whatever, go into it and creating something like that. So it's like, sometimes I'm like, or just even like a best friend, like, Hey, best friend, scientist, what do you think about creating this for me? We'll keep it under the table. We don't tell anybody, but just, I know. I mean, I'm not to brag, but I do have a couple of friends that work at NASA and your stuff. And it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, being in Southern California, yeah, you know, we've got, we've got all that stuff out here and it's like, um, I hear stuff and it's not like it's, they're sharing classified information, but it's just, the things on the horizon that relate to outer space and what we may be able to do down the road. And again, I'd love to be alive when some of those things actually happen. You know, I mean, we've just, we've just jettisoned into in this century, you know, some crazy possibilities. And so again, it's like, you know, whether it's medical science or space exploration or just technology in our daily lives, I mean, these are all, to me, it all falls into the basket of AI because it's utilizing technology to do things that we can't physically do ourselves. Um, but it's all in how we monitor it, how we use it, how we develop it. Um, and, and I think development is key because in the wrong hands, just think about that's not to give anything away in our story, but it's like, you know, there are things built in in the development that once it's in, it's in, you know, it's too late now. It's kind of like that was built, that was baked in the cake, you know? No spoilers, but you can, you can almost from the get go, you can understand that the experiment that's going on is not necessarily for the betterment of all mankind kind of thing. It's, is it though? And it gets into that further along into the film where it's like, yeah, I've read this book. I've seen, I've had this idea. I, yeah, I can see where we're going with this, but it was clever as well because it's kind of like the asset played by Byron. I don't know. He was like charming and like funny and had like one liners and you wouldn't mm -hmm. expect someone controlled by a chip to be anything other than like. Yeah, and I think, I think that was kind of also a choice to make him a full person that would be, uh, you know, able to kind of respond to what had happened to him that, you know, he was down on his luck and not, again, it's not a spoiler, but he's down on his luck. He was, you know, he had come from, uh, you know, special forces and all of that, but then that kind of took him down a bad road. And so he's drinking, he's doing all, and then they find someone who's vulnerable but that has capacity to become like this super soldier person. But who was he prior to all of those things? You know, he might've been this charming, witty, witty guy. So um, he becomes kind of, he becomes the person that he was supposed to be 
but uh, back to who he should be. But at the same time, then he realizes this is not good. It's not going to be good. So it just kind of not amplified, but amplified characteristics that he already has. Going back to your your best friends that work at NASA. Now I was going <laughs> to grew up on the space coast, so seeing rockets and then shuttle. Well, I'm not old enough to see rockets, but seeing the shuttles and whatnot go up, and then uh, at the end of the shuttle age, going way way back to what we were saying, how we feel like we've been here alive long enough to see things and things change for the good, for the better. Like, where did you grow? I actually, I grew up in Arkansas in a small town called Hot Springs, Arkansas, which is like a resort kind of. And then I moved to California in my teen, teenage years. So no, I did not have any of that exposure whatsoever. Um, and I think being in a metropolitan city like, like LA where I am, um, it's, it's like a little microcosm of, of many things, right? People and, and these friends of mine that are, are also were born in California and, and so there's something nice about that, that some of the best minds of the country or of the world, in fact, you know, come to work at these places because that's their dream. And that's what they've been wanting to do is play a role in, in advancing our society, our, through technology. And, um, and so it's, it's nice to see people's dreams come true that, that they, they get to witness that and they get to play a hand in, in those things and see their work when, when the shuttle does go, um, Hey, I designed that little thing. And it's like, wow, that's crazy. You know, what a legacy you mentioned. And it made me remember being, I don't know, like in elementary school and one of my classmates, mom worked at the space center. Like, I, I guess it was just like on the manufacturing team, not to downplay anything she did. She worked making the tiles that go on it until little, my little brain was like, have you ever been to the the Space Museum in DC in Washington DC? Oh, it's such a wild thing. I mean, it, I I was I didn't even know it was there. I'll be honest, but I was I was in DC and I'm like, you know, I should hit these museums, Smithsonian and whatnot, and and there's so many, but uh, but that was fascinating to see that pod from Apollo. Which one was it? Apollo eleven. When they came, when they when they crash land, you know, when they come back down in, in the ocean, that thing was there, and it literally looked to me like something that we would make in our backyard, you know, this pod thing, like with aluminum foil in some places. It was the craziest thing, but the idea that that brought these people back from space—that's it was it was wild. So yeah, I mean, humans are making this stuff which you got to appreciate, you know, that, that get us into, you know, understanding how our universe operates and we're, we're making that stuff here. So I, I think it's very cool. I mean, we're already on a tangent. So let me take it, take a look. <laughs> you ever get to Florida and you go to the uh, Kennedy space center, yes. they have, uh, is it Endeavor? No, Atlantis. They have one of the shuttles Atlantis. And I mean, you can't touch it, but to your perspective, it feels like you could reach out and touch it. You can see it, like all the space dirt. You can see the dings and everything. The first time I saw it, I wanted to cry. It was oh, so overwhelming. You ever get down there? Just absolutely. Important. Yeah, I'd love to. It's, it's you know, it's just, it's so, I think uh, space to me and in, in, in not knowing the, the unknown, it's very humbling. And I think 
in our sort of daily crazy earthly lives, you know, when we think it's all about us and our street and our car and our this and our that, you know, whatever all that is, it's just, um, we're just a drop in the bucket, right? We're just a grain in the sand to the whole big picture. And I think there's something, something kind of grounding about that when you realize listen, you don't need to sweat this thing because in the scheme of it all, we're playing a little role in how this whole universe operates. And you better use whatever you've got for some good, right? Because it's uh, otherwise, what are we doing here? You know? And you end up like the doctor in your film. (laughs) That's right. No, you're right. I mean, knowing that you are part of something bigger can ground you, but also it can send you spiraling off. An existential dread, like, oh, I'm just nothing in this whole big, they'll never miss me, right? (laughs) Yeah, you're right. You mentioned you moved to LA when you were young, but you were in like film and television. You were, you were acting and performing as a young child, right? I mean, I started, I was, I was fortunate. I mean, when I, when I came to LA, I, I knew what I wanted to do. So I immediately started studying and doing all of the stuff. And I, I, uh, I, I did, I was able to start working pretty early. Um, but then, you know, life has a way of making you, you go, well, you know, this is what I wanted. But then I started feeling a little empty and like I was missing other things. And so I kind of wanted to develop more in my life and start, went to college by choice. I, I just decided to go and start taking some college classes and, I studied archaeology. I studied things that had nothing to do with my career whatsoever. And and, and then I kind of went back in again, like, okay, I'm not going to torture myself. I'm going to try to be a fully developed human being here and not, you know, that's always been important to me to kind of keep perspective through the whole thing because I did, it didn't seem like I started so early because I was so ready to move on and come to the big city and start pursuing what I wanted to do, but, but I I was young and I didn't want to lose my, my childhood either. You're stuck, like not wanting to lose the drive and the momentum that you built, but also you're like, wait, and it's so crazy to me that people are surprised. I was trying to think of someone off the top of my head, Um, like Mayim Balak, she's on Blossom, you know, she stops, she goes to college, you know, maybe 15 years later, 20 years later, whatever. She's back on television. People, it's crazy to me how people think that a child actor or a young, you know, teenager, that's that's all they're allowed to do, according to like TV viewers or no, 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 they're going to college. What? Like, that's the weird part. Not the fact that they, they don't have the opportunity to go to sometimes regular high school or to go to college until they're 25 because the show just ended. <laughs> it's like, it's crazy to me that people think that just because a kid gets into entertainment or their parents get them into entertainment, but that's all they're allowed to do just to provide that entertainment to us. <laughs> right. And to your point, she, Maya became a, what, PhD in biophysics? Bio- yeah. Like, wow, you know? So sure. I mean, I mean, you have your drive as a kid. You, you kind of, at least in my case, I knew what I wanted to do. I think I was born to do what I did because I always did it, but do what I do. But but then as a human, you develop, you read, you watch, you study, and you develop personal interests, and you kind of want to explore those things, right? And I think that's really important. And and then that will also kind of flow back to your work, because now you have more to offer. You have more 
perspective, you know, to engage in your work. So I think it's very important. I think having blinders on about what, you know, the universe has a real interesting way of shaking you up and making you realize, Hey, it's not all about you. You know, there's, there's a bigger world out there or universe. And I think for a lot of young people, uh, I'm, I'm seeing it with my, my oldest son right now. It's like seeing your peers that are not in the business, yes. what they're, you know, the, they went to, they're going to college. Uh, they went to prom for crying out loud. You know, uh, they're getting engaged. And it's just like, I think you feel like everybody is, everybody's doing this, that, or the other. I'm the only weirdo that's studying lines. It's very true. No, it's very true. That actually happened to me. I think I was, I think I was 19 and a half, maybe. And all of my friends were in college. And mind you, I didn't want to go. I, I did. I wanted to do what I was doing. And I was very blessed and fortunate that I was able to do what I was doing. And my parents supported that. And I worked hard and I studied and I did all of those things. But I was, I was like, wow, I'm really never going to walk on a campus and know what that feels like. And just higher learning and whatever any of that was I can take that on I can I can go with you know in a different way and so I did and I'm so glad I did because it it made me realize that I didn't have to be defined by sort of one thing and and that and that that helped me a lot knowing that you know I wasn't going to be it's because they don't get to develop themselves you know their their minds don't get a chance to to learn and, and explore and they take seriously about this audition or this thing that they worked so hard on that didn't work or whatever, you know, and that's, that can be extremely, you know, mind numbing for people. It's almost as if, you know, you have a chip in your brain. That's me. No, that's, that's me trying to get back to the, right? <laughs> the but no, you're, I was talking uh, to someone yesterday about this, where they make uh, their career, or their schooling, whatever it happens to be their entire personality. And it's kind of like, that's so you're restricting yourself so much. You're going to miss so many things. And for, for people is like 89 and a half and I'm a college student. So it's never too late to go back unless you know, you're dead or you have a chip in your brain either way. Completely. There's so much to learn. And, and I think now I, I was speaking to um, a niece that was, you know, picking her, classes I was like what they have a class in that I mean you know it's like even now the 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 things that you can study are so much more interesting than even probably when you know the time when I had options so yeah I don't think you should ever stop learning even if it's just reading books just keep or on the internet you know whatever you need to do to keep learning and growing it's just good for mental health I think in general for people absolutely I mean there's I'm thinking they're like studies that prove even just doing crosswords or word finds or whatever, anything that like helps save off like Alzheimer's and dementia, which ironically, not even joking, a chip that could help regulate that like Parkinson's. And as you said, I mean, like detecting seizures and, and all that sort of stuff. I mean, because um, I was speaking with a doctor the other day that was telling me what were, how, oh, he was explaining to me that, so, you know, when our, this is a tangent, but please just indulge one moment because it makes this point. He was explaining to me that, you know, when you're under a stressful situation, 
our bodies go into that fight or flight, right? We, our adrenaline jacks up and everything gets kind of wild and um, your heart starts racing and, and things like that, but you get through it. That's your survival mode, right? And then later when you're just chilling out, you know, you're sitting on the couch with your cup of tea or whatever you're doing, you might have like a heart palpitation or something and you're like, oh, what's happening to me? What's going on? But he was explaining that your your cells, your cells are still remembering what that was. They still have the information. Your brain was still that those that communication from the brain is still going to the cells and they remember, even though you're not feeling it and you're not thinking about, oh, that horrible thing, but the heart is responding to the information. It's like, whoa, uh, the signal's telling me I'm, I think I'm still supposed to be upset about something. And so again, if you had something that could understand the brain pattern, that no, no, that's over, we're done with that. You know, that that almost accident that happened there didn't happen, we're, we're done now. You can let that go. Then the heart wouldn't need to race or have that palpitation. It's remembering it's, it's communicating with the cells, you know, it's just, a, it was wild for me the way he broke it down. Brain's powerful. So the concept is a good one, as long as it's not in the wrong hands. I mean, a weapon in a good person's hands is no longer a weapon, kind of. It's like, I mean, that would be awesome. Like you were saying that almost accident or when you've had to slam on the brakes and then you have to continue driving and your legs like. Right. Or you're shaking or your hands are shaking and you can't quite get it together. Right. Yeah. I mean, what's ever cut you off is like blissfully driving away. You can handle a calm down chip, which right. is not the assets problem. But uh, you did all of this. You 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 started acting. You started um, you know performing. You went to school to get uh, your Indiana Jones experience. You know, so but you also you're a recording artist. You compose. You produce. You perform. Uh, how did you, was that just like a natural progression? I was, I was always, I was a little kid that in my grandmother's house was singing to the records and doing the show and forcing them to watch me do, you know, I was that kid. And I think I knew what I was going to do, but I didn't have as many opportunities other than community plays and stuff. And then when I went to school, I just was engaged in school stuff, you know, a lot of the time. But uh, but I knew in the back of my mind what I was going to do. Um, I never felt that I needed to choose. I will be honest. I never felt, and it always bothered me that agents would say, well, are you a singer? Are you doing music? Or are you going to be an actor? And I was like, I do both. I, 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 I do both. But I understood why it was hard for them because they needed to know, you know, what, what where was I going to be loyal? So the only time it was really an issue was, as a singer, you have to go and do shows. You have to go and tour. You have to perform. You have, you're offered to go and play places. And that's how I was making a living. So there was clear times when I would have to tell someone that was representing me, I got to go. I got to be gone for six weeks and I, I need to do this. And fortunately, you have good people in your life that say, go for it. Good for you. That's great. But then you're missing other opportunities. So, so that choice that I had to took me longer because I was trying to do, you know, both. But then I learned along the way that I could understand how the business side worked and I could start to develop things that gave me a little bit more um, hands-on and I didn't have to wait for the phone to ring. I didn't need someone to call me and offer me a job 
uh, I could, you know, own a production company and I could kind of work, create my jobs and, and also hopefully make what I created easier for other people to work with me because I owned it. I could license it. I, I, I had a little bit more authority. So I learned the business side, which was a big help. Um, and that, you know, you don't think about that either when you're young, you just think, Oh, I'm going to perform. But knowing the business was a game changer. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to book, you know, a role knowing like it's filming from, I don't know, June to August. And you're like, Oh, my tours in July. Damn it. I, I would have loved to have been Michelle or it, it's like, Oh, and I can see like a manager or an agent's point of view. It's like, they don't want you to come across not dependable, but it's not like saying you know giving the middle finger to anybody you're just like i'm trying to do everything that's inspiring me and burning inside of me right it's funny because you you are there was a time when i auditioned for a soap opera when soap operas were really the rage and it was a contract role and it was shooting in new york and it was the weirdest feeling because and it sounds like i'm whining and i'm not because i I wanted the job, but I didn't want the job. Do you know what I mean? I thought, this is going to be two years. I'm going to be tied up and I'm moving to New York. Wow. And the things that I was in the middle of doing at that point in my life, writing and and creating music and all that stuff was like, and what happens there? So it's kind of like I was, you know, you got to trust the process a little bit because I didn't get the role. Um, And I was kind of relieved. But then you might have a long dry spell where you're not hired for anything and you're like god what's wrong with me should it take but you know but then you think well but look at the work that you did do so uh, over time i've been able to embrace this wild journey that i've had that's not the most customary but i've been able to embrace it you know uh i really don't think i would do anything differently i really don't i think there's there's like a coffee mug in there somewhere like embrace missed opportunities so good it's so good. Well, everybody knows you can't be a soap on a soap opera and be a singer unless you're like, I don't know, Jack Wagner or Damien What's His Butt. You had to be the cool, like slicked back hair, ballad singing soap opera dude. <laughs> That's right. At that time, that worked for them, but I didn't see that in my I just didn't see that as an op- option for me, I guess. And that's another point. At that time when I was coming up. I kid you not, a lot of times the auditions were going to be things like mm, game show contestant girl, uh, you know, silly roles, just silly things for a female to do. And because you got to remember where we were, you know, we didn't have all these sort of badass women doing what we're doing now. Um, And that wasn't appealing to me either. It's like, I don't want to do this. Really? I'm going to do this. But you had to go, you had to audition because your agent needs you to do, to do play the, you know, play the game. But again, it wasn't always inspiring stuff. So um, through my music career, I was able to be, you know, have a point of view, be authoritative about what I was writing. And I had something to say and that, that felt better to me. And going out and doing this sort of weird posturing thing, it just didn't feel right to me. So, I, yeah, I mean, back in the the day, it's like asylum patient number three, uh, Jessica's crazy twin sister, uh, nurse, <laughs> secretary. 
on, Xena, Xena broke barriers, you know. Get there to get to Xena, you know, it took time to get females. I mean, yes, there were there were great, not to say that there weren't great female carried shows way back in the day. I remember watching some of those and, and even reruns, you know. I loved I love Lucy. I love I love Lucille Ball. I love all of those, you know, old things, but but still I think for the most part, those were the might the minor you know, compared to the amount of content that was being produced for women. For music, aside from like giving you, no pun intended, giving you your voice and being able to like say what you want to say and get your point and your message out, it's taken you all over the world, right? London, Dubai, Arkansas, I'm assuming. I've been really fortunate because I, I fell in with an international um, music scene and I got embraced into that. So uh, my, who I later married, my husband is a kind of a superstar in, in the world music scene, Andy. And he brought me into his band um, early on. And I, through that, met many, many, uh, you know, uh, highly successful people in different, from different countries. And I've been able to collaborate with them and do songwriting retreats and uh, humanitarian work together that we've created. And uh, and that's a compliment because I've developed this reputation as an international singer when ultimately I'm just this little girl from Arkansas, you know, but that's, that's really cool to be embraced like that. Um, so I, I haven't taken that lightly, uh, but, but I'm still this person that, you know, just still has these wild dreams of things I want to create and do. And, um, and so I, I kind of now try to combine that kind of global mindset of, you know, people all kind of want the same things. They all have the same hopes and dreams, like you said, for your kids and, and the similar struggles. And so if you can find a way to reach people in storytelling, uh, whether it's through music or film, it's a win-win, right? Because you shouldn't have to, I don't believe you should have to think of yourself as I do this within this border of, you know, national border or whatever well and you can reach more people i don't want to say that your other changing mindsets as if some people's minds need to be changed but you're reaching a broader audience that will in turn reach another audience and reach another audience and you're uh I was just looking at your humanitarian uh project the song we hear your voice that's kind of cool too and also you can't you can't name drop your husband without name dropping him okay i'm just going to tell you that but it seems like everything has just like it worked out the way it was supposed to and the way you wanted it to. And I think it's very key to understand that you as a young person knew exactly what you wanted to do. And you get two different uh, schools of thought. One is always have a backup plan just in case. And then there's other people that are like, jump without the parachute. So, you know, it's going to work out. It's kind of me. And I appreciate that. Look, it sounds corny, but it's all about family and support. And I had that. I did have that. Um, I I put a lot of pressure on myself that they did not put on me. And that's because I didn't want to let them down. I didn't want them to think that this, this support system that they had given me by saying, it's okay, you don't have to have a backup plan. You don't need to go get a degree in X. We're here. We're going to back you on this. But then I didn't want to let them down and I wanted to be able to achieve things that made it worthwhile. And so I, I really worked extra hard. Um, 
But then again, you got to be open to the unknown because too many things came to me that would never have been in my wildest dreams. I mean, some of the songs I'm most known for as a singer are things that are not even in English. And so that's crazy. How many languages they, do you use? Well, I don't, I, you know, I, I, I took French in high school. I took two years of French in high school and I am horrible. Like I have no, so in terms of like me saying I'm, I'm fluent, I'm, I'm not, you know, I, I sing in other languages. Somehow that came to me. I don't know how, but it, it came to me and I, I guess I, I have a knack for it maybe, but um, I don't know. I, I sing in probably five different languages, but um, it's just not customary at all. It's not, um, but it's, it's worked out. It's worked for me somehow. Yeah. It, well, I mean, I think people would be very surprised to like hear that that's possible. On the other hand, like Shakira learned how to speak English by speaking singing English yes. song. So, it, I mean, my, my, my Yaya, my grandma, she learned English by uh, American television. So that's I, right. No, I'm, yeah, it's really, um, it's really fun because, uh, you do, I, I, that's how I was able to adopt some of these languages. I mean, cause I, I, I've sang in Spanish, I've sang in, you know, Latin or actually Latin. I recorded in Latin. Um, and you know farsi and arabic and french and uh, you know i just i I've, I've done that so long that it doesn't intimidate me anymore um and i like the challenge uh and maybe that's kind of the actor side of me too because whatever that is as a little kid that likes to pretend and be something else that, that i think that that's the same little thing that stays with you when you want to be an actor is you just like to pretend and do stuff um it's a little bit of that maybe in the music side for me because I'm, I'm inhabiting something that's not really me. It's like, I know I, this is not my first language, but I'm singing in it and it's unusual, but it's, but it's really pretty, pretty amazing. It's, it's amazing that people accept it. So. Aside from, you know, and in addition to accepting it, where can they get your music? I know you're on Spotify. I know you're on YouTube. Uh, do you have a website where people can uh, buy your albums yeah, I mean, if, you, if all the platforms, iTunes and Amazon and all those platforms, I go by my first name, which is just S-H-A-N-I, Shaney. Uh, I don't use my last name as a performer, but as I do as a songwriter, but but not as a singer. So sometimes there are songs that people know me for my first and last name, uh, wow. and they don't know how, they're not clear to look for me by my first name, but um but yeah, it's all over all the platforms. I think, I think, you know, some people that knew me for certain types of work that I did, um, cause there's such a kind of broad range of it are surprised that I'm the same person, you know, she's the same one that's saying that. But again, I just, I don't, I don't like to put limits. I really don't, I don't feel the need to put limits as an artist. Um, as a singer, I don't feel the need to put limits. It would be like telling an actor that you should always play a lawyer or you should always play, you know, this down and out sort of guy. No, I mean, that's the whole beauty of it is you want to explore all of that. And I don't know why we have this thing in, in music sometimes that we expect people to stay in one lane. 
Um, I just never felt that. I never felt I needed to do that. You know, the same people, the same like viewing audience that are surprised when a kid actor goes to college are the same people that are surprised when, I don't know, I was going to, oh, okay. So when Amy Grant starts singing pop music, not everyone is rigid. Not everybody is content to do the same thing. For Some people are, and you know, more power to them. But like a wacky concept is like, what? Taylor Swift, she's country. That's right. And, and it clearly works for some people. And again, like you said, if, if people want to stay in one zone, if they're jazz singer or their country or whatever, that's where they want to live, more power to them. It'd be like, you know, I don't know, telling Monet, well, why are you not doing modern? And, you know, because that's the space that he was in, right? But um, but for me, just speaking for me, I like to stretch. I like to do different things. And maybe it's the creator part of me, not just the singer part of me, but the creator part of me that wants to to go there. And, and I touch in it and I go, okay, that's enough, you know, or well, that was kind of fun. I'm going to stay there for a little while, you know. Um, I have an album coming out that's just very retro. It's all, you know, kind of old school. And it reminds me of the music that was in my house growing up. And I always wanted to do that. And during the pandemic, I was at home writing and writing and writing. And that's what was coming to me. And I think it's because it made me feel good. It put me in a place of safety and comfort and what I, my little cocoon. And that was, that was very much the pandemic, you know. So that's what was coming out of me, which is really, when you think about it, it's kind of cathartic. Um, but yeah, I don't, and then sometimes like people that I work with are like, well, wait, what happened to your, so, you know, that's still part of my catalog and I'll go back there again, but this is what I wanted to say. This is what I wanted to explore right now. So to me, that's okay. Give yourself permission, you know? Absolutely. So this album coming out is old school comfort, but the next one is death metal, right? <laughs> that made me laugh. Yeah, I haven't gone there yet. I have done. I've done rock, but I've not done the death metal. Maybe I'll do that when I'm in my like later years, like seventies. You know, seventy, eighty. That would be different, right? Yes, crowd surfing. And Dark Asset can be watched now on demand, digital platforms, uh, limited theatrical releases, I'm guessing LA, New York. You can find Shaney's music everywhere. Can people follow you on social media? Yes, I go on Shaney Rigsby, uh, Instagram, Facebook. Honestly, I forget that Facebook exists sometimes. Here, I'm there because family members are there, right? And they'll say, did you get my Facebook post? And I'm like, Nope, didn't get it. Well, it's been amazing talking to you. You're incredible. And I'm like overwhelmed with everything that you freaking accomplished. And you set out to do it. To me, as like, I'm a struggler. I'm on the struggle bus. So to have a plan and it comes to fruition, I'm like. Oh, thank you. You're so awesome. Talking to you has been like just sitting down with a friend over coffee. And I appreciate that so much. Your questions and the things that you wanted to talk about mean everything to me because it's not like, you know, what colored lipstick are you wearing and what do you have in your handbag? And like, seriously, I, I think we're past all that where people, you know, should really share and, and inspire and encourage each other. And I just appreciate all of that. And, and, you know, it hasn't been easy for me, but sometimes even me talking about it reminds me of 
how far I've come. And, and, and that gives me like a little kick to just get through again this week. Right. You know, it's like, you can, you can do it. You can hang in there. I think I just like every person that exists needs the occasional, Hey, good job. Or wow, you did it. I think smallest, tiniest bit of encouragement can go so far. It really does, because I think even, I mean, people, I mean, not me, people that I, like, I really look up to, you know, they're doctors and surgeons and people like that, you know, they all have bad days. Like, everybody has a rough go, and you're right. I mean, sometimes you just got to help people get back to their center and say, look, look, look backwards. Look at all of what you've done to get here. You've done that and you can keep going or you want to chill out and rest and do nothing. You've earned that too. Like, you know, that's okay. But you're right. I think if we spend more time empowering each other, like what a better world we would have. Right. Yeah. I mean, at that rate, we might actually get to Mars. We might actually get there. I'm here for it. <laughs> for I'm too old to be an astronaut. Okay. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> I just, I want to know about, I, I just, I need to know about the aliens. I, I need to know. I want to know that in this lifetime. Were they here? Were they, were they us? Are the aliens, were the aliens us in the future that were here before? Like, you know what I mean? I want to know all that. I'd like to. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a whole nother conversation. I'm going to have you back and we'll talk about aliens. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> the truth is out there. Okay. Truth is out out there people shani it's been amazing i hope that you have a wonderful afternoon evening wherever you are and uh tell your hubby i said hello i appreciate that i'm sure he says hi back thank you so much it's been great have a good one bye this has been an odd imagination production here at odd imagination you'll find book film television and product reviews as well as roundtable discussions current events and hot topics we are advocates for equality and the freedom to be who you are, no matter what. Aut Imagination gets its name from autism and imagination, two things that are very important to us. If you would like more information on Aut Imagination and the podcasts that we host on our website, you can visit autimagination.org, A-U-T-I-M-A-G-I-N-A-T-I-O-N. And pulling me she knows all about the drug i plagiarize all my apologies and they still want enough i know i know i know that i should let her go but i don't i don't i don't seem to be in control
Be 